Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Behind the Net Podcast. This is the Austin Matthews episode. That's right. Episode 34. It's hard to believe. Uh, it's me, Michael. Joined beside me as always is my co-host and partner in crime. Matthew. And, uh, yep, as you heard, it is uh, episode 34, the Austin Matthews episode. And it's pretty crazy. We've been running this for 34 episodes now and hopefully a lot more to come. But um, when did we start uh, the first episode? Honestly, I can't remember off the top of my head. I feel like it was probably November. I think. I think we started November. It might, or I might be getting it wrong. It could have been October, but somewhere, somewhere around there, around I'm pretty there. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But crazy. Uh, it's crazy, and we've we've done a lot with the show, and I'm I'm really proud of what we've uh, accomplished. Uh, me too. And it's all thanks to you guys listening uh, back home. If, if uh, you guys aren't listening, we wouldn't be continuing doing what we do, were doing. So thank you guys for listening once again. Mm-hmm. And really thank you because, uh, I mean, I'm sure, Michael, like we bo- both knew uh, when we started this podcast, like we'd pretty much be talking to a wall for a while. <laughs> and then with no <laughs> yep. listeners. And then, uh, yeah, it's nice to know that we have listeners now actually listening. So that it's it's, it's a really awesome feeling. And, and it's great to see the, uh, the feedback. I mean, we're going to be later on in the episode taking fan uh, like listener questions and um it's, it's just nice to know that we actually get feedback now and uh, and people send in questions when you know when we first started this we really didn't get much <laughs> oh yeah i remember that but uh yeah i mean how are you this week oh i've been good man uh just been doing tracking along uh started work obviously last week and that's mm-hmm. going to be continuing uh next week so that's really good just keep my sanity up and uh now that uh, hockey's actually coming back, my uh, I noticed I've been in a much better mood lately. So I think it's just you know I'm gonna we're gonna talk about this later on, but I didn't realize how much I missed hockey until hockey was taken away. And now that it's actually back and there's constantly new updates, it's just I'm just glad it's back there again. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, same here. I mean, hockey and just sports in general. I mean, basketball as well. And and we just saw the Blue Jays play. Um like a inner, inner squad game uh, uh, last night, actually, you know, ju- yeah. obviously it was just like an exhibition game, but it's just, a, just a, nice to see, you know, live sports. I know obviously we've had soccer come back and that was really entertaining for us all, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just seeing the local sports also come back uh, live. It's just, it just feels great again. It feels like I was dreaming at first when I saw the Blue Jays game on my TV, because who, who would have thought that uh, back in March that we'd be seeing anything like this happen again this year? But the fact that we're even getting to that reality, it's just, it's just crazy to me. Even if there's no one in the stands, I can get used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just excited for the for the comeback. Um, going into sports, though, there hasn't really been, in general, a lot of sports uh, sports news this week. Uh, I just want to touch on a, a few, and I, I know we've talked a bit about some things that have happened but uh we'll just go off the top first in football kind of an update to what we were talking about last week but the uh washington redskins have confirmed that they will be changing their name and uh their team identity um to something new so what do you think of that you know i've always been one that's wanted the redskins to change their name for the longest time i'm sure you felt the same way Mm -hmm. but we never felt that this day was actually going to come that they would actually go through with it and it sucks that the re- the way that it uh, came to be would be because of uh, mo- uh, sponsors pulling out or like financial uh, money being on the line if uh, the Redskins did not go through with changing the name. It's it's kind of frustrating. I want to say that it's come to that, 
but that's essentially how these big corporations make the changes. It's not from public pressure. It's not from uh, constant uh, pledges. It's from money, and that sucks. I completely agree. Um, it does. It does suck, but um, you know, now we're finally getting we're getting some change now. So, like like you mentioned, uh, and like we talked about last week, I, I am just. I think it's it's a good step in the right direction. Finally, of course, this has been a controversy for a while, and like we said last week, you know, it was bad. It was it's something that should have happened a long time ago, but um, finally they're changing. And hopefully, I mean, again, there's uh, it's, it doesn't just start and stop with the Washington Redskins. There's a, a there's a few other teams uh, and sports teams that uh, you know um, have names in relation to Indigenous uh, culture, and that you know aren't uh you know are 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 not uh something that sits right with uh, the indigenous community so uh, i think this should hopefully pressure other teams to uh review their identities in the same way i hope that uh we see more name changes like this one and i i believe i mentioned last week that i think it's time for teams like the cleveland indians to change their name and for the indians especially the there used to be a baseball team in Cleveland called the Spiders, and that would make the logical sense to just transition to that name. Mm-hmm. So if there's any time like to, to really review the name, but that could potentially be racist to some people and just alienate fans, now it's the perfect time, especially when the conversation is at its loudest. And don't just do it because the public pressure. Do it because it's the right thing to do. And these things should have happened a long time ago. Let's not kid ourselves. But... At the same time, like like I said, I'm glad that these are happening. I agree. And uh, just quickly moving into our next topic that I quickly want to discuss. Uh, again, not a lot of sports news, but these are just little things that happened this week. Um, last week, we talked about the NBA's bubble uh, beginning. And uh, we've already gotten a couple of concerns uh, kind of come out oh, yeah. from, the, from the bubble. And I sent you a few. I mean, first, I just want to mention... Uh, of course, Russell Westbrook uh, for the Houston Rockets, he tested positive, um, but I do believe he will be recovering and then heading into the bubble as soon as possible. Um, mm-hmm. We'll talk about that soon, but also um, there's been a, a couple of uh, scares. Uh, I know um, Kelly Oubre Jr. kind of tweeted out uh, <laughs> for any NBA players. I don't know why he would think to tweet this out or why tweeting this out where the NBA could easily see it would be a good idea but he tweeted out for basically to for any nba players you can postmates uh which is the same as uber eats but you can po- postmate and get your food delivered to the uh hotel and just go meet the delivery driver which makes no sense because that kind of de- defeats the whole point of the bubble if you're letting someone out yep. you know from the outside into the bubble or you're leaving the bubble to go meet with someone from the outside it completely eliminates the 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 purpose of the uh, bubble and kind of a follow-up to that i mean when i first sent you that i was just hoping nobody actually acted on it but unfortunately somebody did act on it and uh sacramento king's center uh rashawn holmes uh cr- this is what this is shams uh, sharania's tweet uh mm-hmm. that he crossed the disney campus line to pick up delivery food and must quarantine for 10 days um <laughs> so just just some slight concerns uh what are your thoughts on all this if you heard the sigh earlier, that's just me. That that pretty much sums up how I feel because this is proof right here that leagues such as the NBA really need to take uh, 
security in the bubble seriously. And it's not just the league, it's the players themselves. If one party is not uh, really putting enough effort into secure, like policing the players into ensuring that uh, if you break the rule, there'll be serious consequences up to and including being kicked off the bubble, then the players are just going to do whatever they want. Because obviously, yes, this is going to be tough for them staying inside uh, one area for up to three months uh, with only their teammates, uh, coaching staff, and management to uh, interact with. They can't really be with their families at any point, perhaps like uh, on like FaceTime or whatever they decide to do. So I understand that they want to find ways to uh, interact with the outside world and uh, what have you, but... They have to. They have to play it safe. If they're going to take this seriously, they have to respect the rules. And if the NBA doesn't do put rules in place now, then more situations like this are going to come out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just uh, I mean, I'm just reading another Shams uh, tweet here. But two NBA players who have tested positive for coronavirus on Disney campus have since left the site to isolate at home or isolation uh, housing. And uh, I mean, that just plays into our concern because. I mean, like Michael said, I completely get why players would want to, you know, break the rules. You know, I, 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 of course, I'm pretty sure it's it's definitely a hard thing to be stuck and isolated in that bubble, um, especially with, uh, you know, loved ones outside the bubble. And again, we've talked about this last week, but, you know, uh, there are some concerns from the players over the living, like the accommodations, the food, things like that. But this is something that they have to sacrifice in in a pandemic like it's way too hard to you know um just just you know not be careful and not be responsible at this time um it's way too dangerous for that so i think the nba really needs to outline some you know a a more severe punishment um if anything they need to just make sure that the players are you know wanting to take this seriously and wanting to be responsible and uh, let's hope that none of these uh, other incidents, or let's hope this the, 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 that this incident first doesn't lead to anything, uh, any any bad consequences that nobody you know tests positive from this. But I also let's just yeah. hope um, that we don't get any more uh, you know uh, incidents like this occurring. Exactly, and all I can really say is, if leagues want to take this seriously, they have to be uptight with the rules. So, yeah, sure, some of the players might not like it. Some players might find it uh, restricting of uh, their uh, ability to do more than just staying in a hotel room. But in a pandemic where people have gotten really sick and have even died from this virus, you have to make sure the players are protected. Because if they don't don't give enough care, then there's a good chance that not only uh, multiple players uh, opt out because of being sick, or teams get uh, are forced to bow out because too many players are sick, then there's potential for this thing to fall apart before it even gets off the ground. And we do not want that, especially mm-hmm. at this point where they're so fully committed to it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we see it all the time, like with all these players. I mean, even if it's just a few players testing positive, it still poses a risk for the continuation of sports. So we need to make sure that, I mean, these leagues need to make sure that, um, that these, you know, the, these these incidents are controlled and that the whole situation is just controlled because you do not want outbreak um, occurring. But uh, last, uh, going back to the Russell Westbrook thing, uh, I just wanted to ask you, I mean, he's, he's probably the biggest star to 
test positive so far. I mean, I know uh, Nikolai Jokic tested positive as well. Um, so those are two superstar caliber players. Um, but I, I believe he's recovered. But for Russell Westbrook, and I know there's still rumors surrounding uh, James Harden, but how do you think this impacts the Houston Rockets? Well, although the Rockets weren't as uh, success- successful as fans of the Rockets hoped they would, still, if you lose two key guys like uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden for any significant amount of time, that leaves a big hole in their rotation. And any way you slice it, they're going to have uh, a tougher time going deeper or have making any sort of noise in the in this play in this tournament that'll be coming up uh, later this month. So all the Rockets can hope for is that one of, if if not both of them, are able to come back because they will need them to be, even have a chance at doing anything in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I think all you can really hope for as a Rockets fan is that they both are healthy, they're asymptomatic, uh, they're asymptomatic and that they're able to return to the bubble as soon as possible, or in this case, get into the bubble. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really hope that uh, Russell Westbrook, let's all hope that he uh, recovers very soon and uh, and uh, everything is okay with him. And again, James Harden, there's been nothing confirmed about him, uh, whether he tests positive or not, but um, we are waiting to see um, when he arrives in the bubble. Um, and But I just wanted to say... Uh, that's pretty much a lot of the news that happened this week. Uh, we're kind of doing things out of order this this week uh, because mm-hmm. uh, we actually have a, a really great guest uh, coming up soon. Um, and uh, he'll be on very soon. But we are doing things a little out of order uh, first. So we're actually going to go into our redraft, uh, you know, to start the show rather than, you yeah. know, end off because we want to give a lot of more uh, a lot more time for the guests. Um, exactly. Exactly. But um we are changing it up. Uh, last week, uh, if you guys have heard, uh, we did the 2017 NHL redraft, and that was uh, the conclusion of our NHL draft series. Um, we did every uh, all the way from 2010 to the 2017 NHL drafts. We redrafted all of them, and now we've decided to uh, change it up, change up leagues, and uh, start redrafting the NBA drafts from 2010 all the way to 2017. So for the next seven episodes, you guys are going to get a uh redraft of nba drafts from that period it's actually very exciting because yes we've loved doing the nhl draft redos and those were a lot of fun but uh i think we're getting to that we, were, we got to that point where we were excited to uh try out a different league and we knew that this day was going to come and honestly for me it's going to be very interesting to see how these uh, nba draft redos pan out because uh as you can see like from the first one we're going to be doing it's uh very there's going to be a lot of changes that's for sure for sure. And I mean, it comes with the sports, like they're two completely different sports. And obviously when you're drafting in basketball, you're drafting, uh, you're looking at completely different, you know, things about players. You're looking at different statistics, you know, it's a completely different sport and all you're looking at, uh, you know, different ways they play and different impacts. So it's definitely going to be fun though. Um, and, uh, I mean, we love basketball of course so much. So, uh, this is yeah. this is definitely gonna be fun, and we're just gonna do the same format as before. Uh, we, me and Michael, will be alternating picks um, and uh, kind of picking our top ten of that draft. So um, we'll just be doing the top ten of the of the uh, 2010 uh, NBA draft, and then uh, we'll figure out uh, what 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 order we, um, I guess, decided on. But yes, 
We're going to start from scratch. Last time when we started the with the 2010 NHL draft, we flipped a coin to see who goes first, and then we've been alternating since. We're going to restart all all together for this NBA draft series. So, Michael, I'll let you call tails or heads for the first pick. Okay. Are you, do you have the coin ready? I do have the coin ready, the digital coin. Okay, okay yes. <laughs> Shout out to digital coins. Uh, when you flip the coin, I'm going to just call it. Okay, I'm going to click it now. Tails. It's tails. Hey. <laughs> right. So you have Let's the first go. the first overall pick in the 2010 NBA redraft. Oh, and yeah. honestly, okay. just a quick note, I mean, just doing my research about this uh, draft and doing my scouting, I mean, it was, in hindsight, it was a pretty weak draft. Um, but the stars that did come out of this have been very, very good stars. Uh, um, and, and I think this draft is led... It's a lot more top heavy, yeah. Um, like really top heavy, uh, but a lot of still quality NBA players here. Don't get me wrong. Of course, I and I agree with you that heavy, but at the same time, there's a lot of quality players uh, that are taking at the top half. That uh, I say a lot of teams uh, even today would still be happy to have any one of these players uh, on their team. Oh yeah. So it should be interesting. So uh, you have the first pick, so I'll let you go. I'll let you go for it. So right off the bat, we already have a change in the draft order. This player was originally not taken uh, first overall, but he jumps all the way to the top, and that's going to be from the Los Angeles Clippers now, Paul George. That's exactly who I had at first. Um, And yeah, I mean, what's there to be said about Paul George? Just a star, superstar caliber uh, talent, of course. Uh, I remember when he used to will the Indiana Pacers like through a, a bunch of honestly of great uh, playoff series wins and they were a dangerous team back then and it and uh, it all started with him and you know he's been bouncing around uh, from Indiana to Oklahoma City and to LA you know trying to find that perfect match for him uh, and I, I really hope he found it here in uh, you know in there in Los Angeles with Kawhi Leonard but honestly just a superstar caliber talent and sometimes I honestly think a lot of people underrate him because you know he hasn't performed uh to a lot of the expectations because he is a game-changing player but I think hopefully in with the Clippers he's found his fit oh he absolutely has and what's crazy to me is that uh he was doing extremely well in the early part of his career then he had that gruesome leg injury midway Mm -hmm. through and then he still has bounced back in a big way it's absolutely insane, and I think it's pretty clear to me that he's been the best player to come out of this draft. I want, why don't you read over to the to the audience of what his uh, awards and highlights are? I mean, let me go look that up here. Let me go pull it up here. Uh, usually I'm that guy, but um, <laughs> no, honestly, he's just been an all-star caliber talent pretty much his whole career, six-time all-star, all-NBA first team last season. I mean, even last season, he was a MVP candidate. Um, and he is an MVP caliber player, um, won the most improved player in 2013. And um, just his defensive game and his offensive game makes him a deadly uh, a deadly tool for any team. And uh, I do think that, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are saying the Clippers, you know, are still a little inconsistent this season, but they're a deep team. And honestly, once, uh, I mean, Kawhi Leonard is a proven uh playoff performer and once he gets going with paul george in the playoffs i really think they got something special and i think uh both both of their games i think his Kawhi leonard's game will just complement paul george's game perfectly and paul george is only 30 years old so he still has at least a few more years mm-hmm. 
left in him. This guy's not just like at the end of his prime. He's still right in the middle of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Paul Jarrett can do. And I hope that he does win a championship because that would pretty much cement a what's going to likely be a Hall of Fame career. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, with that, I'll go on to my uh, second uh, second overall pick. And uh, the first bump, I guess, <laughs> that kind of spoils it, but the first bump in the uh, draft. But it's not a bad bump because uh, with the second pick, I'm going to take John Wall of the Washington Wizards, who is still a superstar caliber talent, honestly, in my opinion. Um, he's been battling injuries for the last couple of seasons, but um, don't get me wrong, the potential is still there, the the... the the talent is still there, and I vividly remember watching this draft and seeing him go first overall. And interesting note, he was actually um, he was nearly considered for the 2009 NBA draft, and at the time he would have been, you know, he was so he was hyped up a lot around that time that if he was to go in the 2009 NBA draft, a lot of scouts said that he would have been, you know, contending for the top spot in that draft, which Blake Griffin went first overall in, but. Um, although yeah, he's, he has, uh, battled through injuries through his career and, and there's been some setbacks there, but he has been the, the, him and Bradley Beal have been the, the bright spots on a Washington team that's been trying to find kind of their mold for the, for the, for the most part of his, uh, his tenure with them. I also have John Wall at second overall. And when I did my scouting for this draft and uh, I totally agree, he's been, uh, an excellent player. I'd say a bit underrated just because of the market that he's in and just the fact that the Wizards have never really had a lot of uh, sustained success uh, while he's been in the league. But don't get me wrong. Uh, don't you, you can't deny that uh, Wall is... Uh, well, before his injuries, of course, like a prototypical point guard, like an elite point guard. Not only is he great because of his uh, all-around offensive game, deep, good defensive game, but he's also tall for a point guard at six foot four. Mm-hmm. That's bordering on uh, what is it a shooter a shooter or potentially even a a small small forward, like that's insane. Like you can't deny that uh, the Wizards are uh, going to regret taking Wall first overall. But it's unfortunate that even in the especially in the last couple of years that things haven't fully worked out for him. Oh yeah, no, you can't you can't regret his uh, them taking him first overall at all because uh, like he only bumped one bump down one spot and I still think he's a superstar caliber talent in this league and he's still the face of the uh, Washington Wizards uh, franchise and uh, I hope he recovers soon from his injuries and and can make an impact on that team I hope so too man Mm -hmm. I'm gonna move on to the third overall pick and this is another player that's kind of in the same bubble as uh, John Wall a player that's got a lot of high potential but has been suffering major injuries the last couple years but but even before that there were some uh issues of his character but i think he's uh, proven that he can't be a successful player in this nba and i pretty much spoiled it but i'll just say it anyway demarcus cousins that's exactly why I, who i had at number three but uh yeah i mean what's there to say about demarcus cousins i mean he was a beast in sacramento like you cannot under underestimate how good he was in sacramento he was instantly like he just progressed at such a quick rate and uh, obviously he capped it off with his uh you know, amazing season in uh, 2016, 2017, where that was also when he got traded to the Pelicans um, to be paired up with Anthony Davis. But uh, he was, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was a superstar. And, you know, it's hard to just, it, it really hurts me just to say, like, you have to, we have to kind of strip him of that superstar status right now because he has dealed with a lot of uh, injury troubles. Uh, and, uh, 
you know, he's never really gotten back to his old self. I mean, obviously when his contract ran up with the Pelicans, obviously he was injured the season prior to that and didn't really, uh, you know, it wasn't really the season he wanted. He only played 48 games that season, 2017, 2018. But, uh, I mean, the stories were there that he didn't really get many contract offers because teams were worried about his injury troubles. But he went to the Golden State Warriors. Um, he struggled with injuries too there. But when he came back, he still ha- he still played effectively. Maybe not to the point, you know, of his superstar status as he's played in the past. But he still met a lot of uh, expectations. And obviously, you could tell that in the injury troubles were still there. And then this year, you know, uh, it's very unfortunate that, you know, uh, even though he signed with the Lakers, you know, he had to, uh, he, he basically didn't really get a full shot because of his injury pr- troubles and his, and, uh, now he's no longer with the team, but again, he belongs in the third spot because of his superstar caliber talent that, you know, he has done so much in this league and, uh, you know, he's still young. Uh, this is still a fairly recent draft in general. I mean, he's only 29. So, I mean, if he can recover and, uh, maybe sign with another team, um, he could still have a lot of years left uh, in the NBA, um, whether it's at that superstar caliber uh, skill level or not. Um, yeah, I mean, just it's either way, it's a great career he's he's had and he hopefully could have. Of course. And it's unfortunate that uh, things went the way it did, especially the last couple of years, because he was an elite center throughout his uh, peak at the peak of his powers. Like looking at his offensive numbers, they're absolutely insane. And he was a beast in the paint. Like that's exactly what you want from your franchise uh, center. It's a, it's essential in today's NBA to have that versatility at both ends of the floor. And being that uh, that that tall and that agile was super helpful for him to be successful early on. And it's just such a shame that the Sacramento Kings could never really surround him with the necessary talent needed to go on deep playoff runs. And then when he finally did get in positions to be in comp- contention for a play for a championship. He's uh, run into injury problems, like in New Orleans. In his first year, he had that gruesome injury early on that pretty much prevented him from mm-hmm. playing in the playoffs. And then in 2019, he could he only played uh, a bit in the early rounds and then in the finals. It's it's again, it's super unfortunate how things have played out for him because I I still think there's something left. There's he still has a lot more to give, like you said. And I hope that uh, there's a team that fly, that wants to uh, unlock that potential and that when if he does go go somewhere else maybe he will mm-hmm. and I definitely want to just reiterate I mean the injuries he sustained was uh, a torn Achilles uh in New Orleans and uh now this year when uh this season when he signed with uh, the Lakers he uh tore his ACL so those are two of the worst injuries you can get as a basketball player kind of career-ending injuries and obviously I hope he can recover very soon but um yeah I mean it's a it's very unfortunate how his career um kind of concluded there um, but don't get me wrong. He's done. He's had an amazing career and played at, at an elite level. But uh, with that, I'll go to uh, my fourth overall pick. Um, and another player whose career has kind of been uh, altered by um, injuries. Uh, I've, I mean, at first, I just want to say, like, I think I think that's been a big story of this draft. Um, just kind of the, the, the high potential players, um, elite players who've, you know they've kind of been held back by injuries, but you know a lot of st- a lot of talent still in this draft. Don't get me wrong, but with my fourth mm-hmm. pick, I'm going to take uh, now from the Boston Celtics, Gordon Hayward. I have that. I have my fourth as well. Very uh, good. So uh, I mean, I think uh, we'll we'll make things quicker. Uh, we want to uh, 
get through this draft pretty uh, briefly, but I mean, Gordon Hayward, what's there not to say about him? I mean, he is a great player and he still is a great player, but again, back in Utah, he was, he was just an insane player uh, for Utah. Of course, uh, capped it off in 2016 to 2017 when he uh, was averaging on uh, 21.9 points per game. That's, that's insane. Um, And obviously he went to uh, the Boston Celtics and that was when Boston believed that they uh, had a star caliber talent on their hands, just a insanely good uh, free agent pickup. And that was the same season when they uh, picked up Kyrie Irving. So that team was about to be very scary. But unfortunately, in the very first game with the Celtics, he uh, suffered a a gruesome, a very gruesome leg injury. I'm pretty sure everyone uh, remembers that. Um, yeah, and it's 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 very unfortunate. He had to sit out the entire season, and uh, although he returned uh, last season, um, he's not quite the, the the player he used to be. But again, still a still a a, a very elite caliber talent, a still uh, a solid starter on the Celtics, and uh, able to hold down his own. I think if there's one thing about this pandemic that will be a blessing for Gerard Hayward is it gives him enough time to fully recover from that injury he sustained in 2017. It's crazy to think that that injury was so long ago because I still remember vividly watching that that play happen. And it's still, ugh. Just thinking about that. Just Yeah. Ugh. Scary part is I think a lot of the basketball world was watching. They were tuned in because, yeah, that Boston Celtics team was about to be very scary. Um, of course, that season didn't exactly pan out how they wanted it to, but uh, yeah. But crazy to think that they made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals and were one win away from an NBA Finals appearance. Mm-hmm. And I'll always Even say this: without- yeah, the Boston Celtics are are still a great team. I mean, their young core is probably one of the best in the league. I mean, and now you know it's like their young core is just stepping up. Now, obviously, we know the team is led by Jason Tatum. Uh, they have the if not this season, you know, they still have a number of bright years uh, up ahead. Oh, of course. And hopefully with everyone healthy, they should make the Eastern Conference a lot more interesting. And hopefully this year, the Eastern Conference continues to remain interesting because I think as much as we love to see Giannis in the finals or the Raptors in the finals, uh, I think it'd be good if there's a good competition all around. And mm-hmm. I think uh, the Celtics would make it interesting. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Okay, so uh, let's get through the... the uh second half of the draft uh a little more briefly but uh let's let's hear who your fifth overall pick is i'm not going to uh waste any time with uh uh i don't know how to describe it but i'm just gonna go right into it uh at fifth overall i take eric bledsoe eric bledsoe um that's who i had at number five and uh again a very solid uh um point guard and right now for the milwaukee bucks um but yeah i think uh he's had quite the interesting career um uh but i think he's really found a you know his his place in milwaukee um obviously alongside uh Giannis antetokounmpo but um yeah i mean he's he's just had a great career uh simply put he bounced from uh the clippers to uh the suns i wouldn't even say bounce he's just progressed from the clippers to the suns now to the bucks and i think he's found his best uh spot um, in Milwaukee, but again, a solid starting point guard that any team would love to have on their team. Um, sometimes we say, I mean, I remember a few, uh, like one of the earlier episodes we, when the season was still going, I mean, we did talk about, you know, Eric Bledsoe, um, whether he's the right fit for Milwaukee, whether Milwaukee would want to kind of upgrade their point guard position. But I mean, he's proven that 
he's still just as effective as he once was. And um, I mean, you could tell Milwaukee's the best team, the best regular season team in the NBA right now. Um, so he's he's found a good spot. Oh, absolutely. And uh, last season he won. He was part of the all defensive uh, first team. So he's still very valuable at both ends of the floor. But he uh, <clears throat> he's definitely been riddled with injuries, just like the other players on this list. Uh, but he's managed to have a productive career. And now in Milwaukee, like you said, he's uh, found a great fit. And uh, if the Milwaukee Bucks are going to win a championship in the near future, it'll be partly because of his services. A hundred percent. Like I said, either way, he's a very serviceable starting point guard for any team. Um, I'm going to go straight into my uh, sixth overall pick. And I'm going to take uh, now from the Portland Trailblazers, Hassan Whiteside. Ooh, that's a good mm-hmm. pick. Mm-hmm. Um, Honestly, I, I know uh, he kind of flies under the radar a lot, but he's kind of that borderline those that borderline starter, uh, star player um, in the league, those those types of players who don't really make the All-Star game, but they're very solid every night, um, especially in the starting lineup. And we know him, most, we know him mostly from uh, his time with the Miami Heat, um, but now he's with the Portland Trailblazers. And uh, when I first saw that the Portland Trailblazers picked him up, I thought that was an... Uh, uh, like an amazing move because I thought he would fit in great there. Um, he's a very effective player and uh, yeah, I mean, just, just super solid all across the board. Yeah, exactly. I think he's a, one of the better uh, centers in the league. I wouldn't put him in like the top 10. He's definitely top 15, top 20. Mm-hmm. Top. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the solid night in and night out as a starter and uh, that, that type of player that, you know, is on that, that cusp of, um, you know, very good to, uh, just just before an all-star exactly and i think that you still need to have players like that on on your uh, starting rotation and even if he's not going to be like on the upper echelon of us uh, big men in the league i think he can still be very serviceable and especially for the next few years and i think us portland's picked up a good one mm-hmm. all right you're up next number seven this guy used to be on the utah jazz and for some reason i'm not remembering which uh, team he's on now but he's another solid uh center and I'm going to go with Derek Favors. Derek Favors, um, drafted by the New Jersey Nets, uh, originally Oops, third overall. So he took a um, kind of a drop uh, in uh, in the in the draft uh, standings here from uh, third to seventh. But still, I mean, he's with the Pelicans right now, and uh, they're. I mean, we've talked about the Pelicans all season. They're a very honestly a young team, but a very kind of uh, built team right now honestly uh, around Zion and, and the young core and he's one of those vets that um, they've added to that team and just a solid solid player whether you want him playing uh, starting minutes or you want him off the bench um, he's not putting up as high as numbers as he used to um, in his mid days with uh, the Jazz but um, he's still very effective uh, over there in New Orleans this season exactly you never expect Air Ferris to become an elite offensive big man but what you expect from him is to be a solid presence on the on the defensive end, and that's what he's been throughout the majority of his career. And I think Jazz fans would agree that uh, he's been very serviceable during his time. And uh, as much as they miss him, uh, Falcons uh, have a very good uh, presence uh, on their team. And like you said, veteran presence goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And I know this season he's been uh, having one of the l- lesser offensive seasons uh, in terms of points per game, but uh, still, that, that uh, Pelicans team is looking exciting and... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's those, those players like him, those role players that um, 
kind of contribute, and you can't you can't really complain about them on your team. Oh, exactly. Now let's go to number eight. Okay, so looking at my draft board here, um, number eight. So so far the draft has been going going my way, uh, <laughs> according to my uh, my draft board. But number eight, I'm gonna take uh, Avery Bradley. Very good. I like that. Mm-hmm. So he was originally drafted uh, by the Boston Celtics, nineteenth uh, overall, and uh, now he's found his his, uh, his way to Los Angeles with the Lakers, hoping to win a ring um, this season. But he has been uh, just a, a solid player all around. Again, uh, twenty sixteen, he was on the NBA All Defensive First Team. Um, so that wasn't too long ago. And although he's uh, again with age, uh, you know, your career kind of goes. Uh, uh, up and down and kind of declines but he's still now he's found his spot in LA where um you know kind of that role player taking a backseat to a lot of other players but um he really helps fill out the roster there and, and in this draft he's just been uh you know one of those serviceable players that um really has a long career ahead of him and even I mean already it's been long enough oh exactly I, I think Avery Bradley is one of the more underrated players in the NBA today and uh he's still found uh, proven to have a very serviceable career and the Lakers are very lucky to have him I'd say oh yeah for sure uh and you're up next with a ninth pick ninth pick um this is where things get really interesting because I think the first eight picks I would agree are pretty easy but we're getting to the point now where we're kind of running out of uh we're, ha- we're kind of struggling to who to pick next so this one might be a bit of a controversial one for some of you but I'm going to take uh Greg Monroe at number nine Man, this is looking exactly like my big board. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had Greg Monroe going uh, ninth as well. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of his, uh, I mean, obviously his best years are kind of behind him in Detroit. Um, as of late, he's really been bouncing around and pretty much out of the league at this point. Um, right now he's with Bayern Munich. But uh, yeah, I mean, he had it. Uh, again, Like when we do these redrafts, you know, in, in, in this case with the 2010 draft where... Again, we said it was a really top-heavy, and a lot of the later picks are kind of on their way out of the league, unfortunately. Um, we do want to look at their overall career, and I mean, Greg Monroe still put up a very solid career, especially with the Pistons and then with the Bucks. Um, he had some, you know, some declining years with the Suns, and even had a stint with the Raptors where he was signed, but of course traded within the same season last season. Um, but, I mean, just... Overall, he's been a very effective uh, player, especially in his Detroit years and his Milwaukee years. And at that time, you know, uh, he wasn't a player that you could really complain about having on your team. Oh, exactly. And he was he was really he was blessed with uh, size, and he was a rebounding machine. He was. Like his best season was ten point two rebounds per game. That was in twenty fourteen fifteen. Like that's a quality player on the defensive end of the court, and I think a lot of teams uh, really appreciate having guys like that on their team, even if they're main claim to fame is uh, rebounding the ball. Mm-hmm. I think those are it's still valuable. Mm-hmm. And his best days are behind him, but uh, definitely for a big, uh, you for a, even a starting big, you can't really ask for much more. Obviously, his best days are behind him, but uh, mm-hmm. great career for him. And uh, if it has completed it, it was a great one to look back on. Exactly. And last but not least, number 10. So uh, like you said, the, the, the final two picks are kind of harder because it does kind of uh, fall off a bit. Um, but just looking at this draft again, overall, it's just been a great draft, but with my last pick, I'm going to, um, pick a player who's been just kind of, you know, he's kind of your average day 
NBA player, but I mean, the, the longevity of his career has been there. And, uh, you know, he's, he hasn't really taken any step backs, uh, really. And he's been, he's been playing solidly for all his career. And I'm going to take, uh, now from the Orlando magic, uh, Al Farouk Aminu. Very, very nice. I mm-hmm. like that. I mean, ever since the 2010 to 2011 season, he's been, you know, he's been progressing forward, uh, quite a bit and then he topped his best season in 2015 to 2016 with the Portland Trailblazers where he averaged uh, 10.2 uh, points per game and that was also the only season that he played all 82 games and so he, that was kind of the peak of his career but he hasn't really fallen off in any way because he's still a regular NBA player and again as we've seen in the last few uh, picks it's, it's, it is very hard to hold um, you know a, a regular everyday NBA job in this league with a, a league that's changing so much and getting younger. And, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's been able to, uh, you know, keep his spot and, and be a very solid player. So, uh, I picked him at 10 and, um, I think it's, he's a great pick. Uh, he's a great pickup for the Orlando magic in any team really. I think I agree too. And I, and you make a really good point that, uh, longevity of players in the NBA is really hard to come by, especially, uh, when, uh, players like Zion are dominating right off the bat at such a young age. It's becoming a young man's game, just like a lot of other sports leagues. So to see guys like Aminu still uh, find success, even if it's uh, in limited opportunities, like it's, it's still important. You still need to have veteran uh, presence in your locker in, on your team and having Aminu on any team, especially for the magic will be very helpful uh, going forward. For sure. Any of those players who, you know, can hold their, their, their career for, like hold on to their career for however many years, uh, even if they're not a star caliber player, you know, huge props to them because again, it's not a hard thing to compete day in day out for years and years to come. So uh, full credit to uh, Minu, and uh, that's why I picked him. But uh, before we uh, do the honorable mentions, I want mm. to mention something an interesting stat. Did you know that this draft class had no rookies of the year? None at all. In the 2010-2011 season was Blake Griffin's first uh, season. Mm-hmm. And he took he it, yeah. Uh, during a preseason, and yeah. he won rookie year. Yeah, that is interesting. And um, again, like we said, like this was a very top-heavy draft. And um, from that top, I mean, a lot of the players, of again, like Paul George, DeMarcus Cousins, Gordon Hayward, they kind of bloomed a few years after um, this draft occurred. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we see that, but... Uh, it, all in all, it was a good draft. Uh, one of the weaker drafts in, in general, and we'll see how the other drafts in, in the future drafts uh, played out uh, on our next few episodes, but a great start to the series. Um, and let's yeah. hear those uh, honorable mentions before we uh, head into our break. Yes. Uh, right off the bat, I see uh, a familiar name on Patrick Patterson. Uh, rap- oh, if you ever Raptors fans, you know exactly what I'm mm-hmm. referring to. Yep. Uh, there's Lance Stevenson. Uh the guy that got under uh, LeBron's skin in the during the playoffs mm-hmm. a few years. LeBron's uh, enemy. And now, te- well, was he? Is he still his teammate? No, no, I don't. Uh, he is not in the NBA uh, currently. Ah. Last That's year he was bad. though. Yeah. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, I was in my top ten. I had Evan Turner going at number ten, and that might have also been a very controversial pick. But uh, yes, I want to mention him as well, even mm-hmm. though he's career hasn't panned out exactly as expected while we're on the oh even mentioning the raptors ed davis he had a uh although a brief career in the nba uh, a very effective one drafted by the raptors mm-hmm. raptors legend and ed davis mm-hmm. <laughs> uh let's uh, see uh 
Ekpe Udo, um, oh. Wesley Johnson. Again, these are players who, uh, they went pretty high in the draft, and uh, although their career didn't pan out exactly to their potential, they're still, uh, they still had, uh, you know, solid careers. Um, oh, one more. I see one. I, need, I see another former Raptor, Vasquez. Mm-hmm. Reeves Vasquez, who was, uh, of course, used... Uh, Used to, uh, I forgot exactly which, which uh, draft he was used in, but of course to uh, kind of get the Raptors to where they are now. And uh, he was traded for the rights to draft uh, Norman Powell. In, exactly, uh, there. I there you that. go. There, I knew it was a, a genius move from uh, Masai Ujiri. Trust in Masai. <laughs> Trust in Masai. All right, and with that, uh, that was our... Uh, first nba redraft and next next week we'll do the uh 2011 redraft um with that we'll go into a break and then we will have our special guest uh who will uh i mean let's just uh introduce him right now it's our good friend uh nick barden he's a writer hey. for uh, now he's a writer for the, uh, the leafs nation and uh uh i mean we're excited to have him on yes looking forward to that so stay tuned mm-hmm Welcome back uh, from the break, and uh, as we said just before we went into our break, uh, we are pleased to be joined on today's podcast by Nick Barden. He is known for his YouTube channel, which is named just after him, and last time I checked, he just surpassed the 300 subscriber mark, so congratulations for him. He does a lot of reactions to Leaf games and provides some commentary. He's also a writer for the Leafs Nation, a photographer, and will soon be starting up his own podcast called Nick Talk, and... Most importantly, he is the proud owner of a Martin Berenson jersey. So welcome to the show, Nick. How's it going? Not bad. How are you guys doing? We're, we're doing good. Uh, just chilling. Just chilling as we've been chilling the last four months. But <laughs> <laughs> it's all cool. Uh, what's uh, what you What have you been up to? Oh, well, just taking in Leafs training camp the past couple of days. Trying to not get flustered by everything because there's so much happening and it's like from 11 o'clock to 3 p.m it's like everything's going nuts and it's just so much news going on so i'm trying to keep up with that but other than that not much really mm-hmm. again like you said doing the podcast i'm gonna start that up soon but i'm trying to stay steady on everything trying to keep it at bay and trying to do as much as possible. Oh, absolutely. For sure. It's crazy because, like, this is the kind of stuff we'd be seeing during a normal lease practice day, like during the regular season, like all these constant news and then quotes from the players just just to chat it up. It's it's great to see. It just feels like it was during the, the season, what was it, six months ago? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it feels better now, though. I mean, it's like a, it's like a, like a kid in a candy shop, like, we've we've been deprived of it so long and like now it's like almost something new like a new experience for us that we're that much more excited about it like the little things the little things like we're just really appreciating it now we're like yeah, we're sure. over clips of players doing like <laughs> mundane like like routine tasks on the ice we're like on, just Whoa. being on the ice <laughs> 
And you know what? Since it is training camp, like the first day I was just sitting in my house watching it and I was listening outside. The wind was blowing. It felt like a fall day. Like it didn't feel like it was summer outside. I don't know why, but it just it felt like it was just a day in October. Mm hmm. I mean, that's crazy. Sports is back. Simply put, hockey's back. I guess it changes the weather. <laughs> that's one way of putting it. That's one way of putting it. Of course. But uh, we want to ask you, of course, uh, what are you looking forward to most with this uh, resumption of play? Uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to see how the Leafs do. I, as much as I want them to win at the same time, I'd be okay with them losing, but the, I don't know. It's such a touchy subject about like them. They can get Lafreniere or they can go win the Stanley cup. But at the end of the day, we really couldn't have a parade. We might be able to, but with COVID-19 and everything, I doubt that would happen, but I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing how they do how Nick Robertson does if he does make the team and just how they play and see if they bounce back from their year that was basically a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. A roller coaster is the right way of putting it. And it's crazy to think like I've seen some of your videos during this past season. Like some one of my favorites was just after that game between the Leafs and the Hurricanes. We will not go into any further details about that. And just uh, showing your passion and frust- like frustration for what happened is uh, part of what made the, the season that much more enjoyable. So, uh, you're right. Whole road coaster is the right way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. it was like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, uh, no, I was just going to say, it's like... It was like, at one point, I think the word is serotonin, that <laughs> stuff in your brain. Like, you had so much at one point, and then it just dropped from mm-hmm. just them having a bad few games and then it'd go back up and you'd think they're the best team in the league and then it just dropped again. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the uh, story of the Leafs for as long as I've been alive. <laughs> but uh, okay. uh, we do. I do want to ask you, uh, of course you've kind of mentioned it, you know, you don't really feel like like you, it's, it's pretty, you're pretty torn on whether you want the Leafs to you know, go for the cup this uh, season or not. Um, but uh, of course, you've expressed that in uh, your videos in the past. Um, can you just explain that feeling and why you feel that, like that this isn't the right time for the Leafs to win the cup? I, to me, I just, it's not even about like, because I know people on Twitter have been like, oh, like you can go watch it in bars and it's just nice to be around people and celebrate it. I think it's the fact that like when the Raptors won, like I didn't, I didn't go downtown when they won that night, but I was at the parade and just that feeling of being around everyone and them sharing the same love for something. It it feels a lot better when you can do that rather than, I don't know, I, it, if they win, obviously people are going to go downtown. Like that's, that's going to happen. I'm not going to, because I don't I don't really want to catch covid if if it was even possible but I think that it would be the right time when everyone can go and celebrate as they please and just have that feeling like when they I remember when I don't know what year it was but they drove Boston to game 7 
they did it every year mm -hmm. but there was like one or two years like you'd go into union station and you'd be so happy with random people you're literally you'd walk down the street and we'd be chanting like we're going to game seven and then you go into union station and everyone's hugging random strangers you're high-fiving people and i just think without that feeling it's not going to feel as great and then people will also be like oh we can have the parade maybe in a month or two after but that's also going to feel weird too it's not going to feel the same as if they were to have the parade maybe a few days after they won the Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. um, and I completely agree with the kind of that feeling that you're feeling because, I mean, this isn't like any other team's Stanley Cup win. Like, it's not like a team who has won a Stanley Cup in the last, you know, few years. For them, it might just be, you know, they want just another championship. But, you know, I, I obviously the Leafs have been waiting for this and Leafs fans have been waiting for this for 53 years now. Um, that, you know, if this is the only, I, I get that feeling, like if this is the only one that they're going to get, like, or the first one in 53 years, um, you know, you want it to be special and you don't want it to be the right one kind of the, during the right year where, you know, the celebration for a 53 year championship drought will be that much, uh, you know, that, that much more insane. So you want it on the right year kind of, you have that feeling too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, you would feel that same way, though, if, you know, a, a play-in team didn't win the first overall pick? Or do you think that affected your feelings at all? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it, it did a little bit because the chance of, like, the, how many teams is it? Six that get that 12.5% chance. And if the Leafs had that chance it's always possible that they could land it i know it would probably cause cap hell in the future but it'd still be pretty funny but i don't know i feel like i'd still want that atmosphere of people being able to celebrate with each other and just be able to go out and do that rather than just do it on the internet but i actually that, that's a good question and i have no idea but i think i think i'd still feel the same way not as not as like maybe in between as I am right now with them either winning or d getting the first pick but I I feel like I'd still feel a little bit of the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, it'd be funny because we've been all these years to say plan the parade, uh, do this plan this parade, we're going down Bay Street. It'd be the most leafiest thing for them to win the cup in the middle of a pandemic and no one can uh, go outside and celebrate it. Nobody can plan the parade. No, I'm not. <laughs> that's what I've been saying the whole time. This is the year that they're going to win it because they can't have a parade. It's just, it's just what happens. Mm -hmm. The leafiest cup win ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nonetheless, like me and Michael have been. We talked about this last week, but uh, I mean, I still think the Leafs should. Like, I completely get your uh, side, but uh, I kind of still on the fence with the side on. Uh, I think the Leafs should just go for it in the end. Obviously, the players. For them, they want to win a cup, and I mean, of course, it's for the fans, but it it is mainly for them in the end. And I mean, even the chance to get Lafreniere uh, again, like you said, it's not a high chance uh, specifically. So, I guess we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, of course, the team's gonna play like they want to win the Stanley Cup, so we'll just see how it happens. And if the if the Leafs do win the Stanley Cup, uh, Leafs fans will find a way to to celebrate in one way or oh, the yeah. other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like 
I'm not saying for them like to just tank. Obviously, they're not gonna lose. But if if they go on a run, if they get into the first round of the playoffs, there is no chance that I'm gonna be sad about losing out on Lafreniere. Like I will, I say that right now that I like Lafreniere, but I know once they do get into the playoffs, that's a it's a whole different scenario, and I'm just gonna completely forget about it. I'll be wanting them to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk for a bit about uh, your YouTube channel. And uh, as I mentioned off the top, uh, you just recently surpassed uh, 300 subscribers. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Uh, yes, congratulations. Of course. Uh, how did that? How did your YouTube channel come to be? And what inspired you to create it? I don't know. I wanted... I, I When I was... When I got out of high school, I wanted to make YouTube videos. I didn't know what I did want it to be on. I decided to do it on FIFA because I used to watch YouTube videos and I just thought, hey, it'd be fun. And when Call of Duty was around, I I was doing like trick shots and stuff. And I just, I had fun with that. But I always wanted to do something with YouTube and I did the FIFA stuff that didn't really work out. And I eventually got bored of the game and it wasn't fun anymore but i i always like this was the thing i said in school when i first started we all had the chance to like introduce ourselves to everyone like we stood up and said everything my thing was that i want to be a leafs reporter i want to do that i didn't get i played hockey i didn't get to play it professionally so the other only way to get into it is to do something like this and that was one of the reasons plus I also think it's like a nice other like thing to do. And if like, since I'm out of school now, I have a job interview, people would be like, oh, what are you doing? And I could be like, oh, well, I make YouTube videos. And that's something that kind of stands out. And that's another reason why. And plus, I just, I I enjoy the process of it all. I like how things come out. That's also why I like photography so much because it's, just an awesome process and to see the pictures that you can take it's cool so there wasn't really other than me wanting to eventually become a reporter or just somebody who can work in hockey for a long time there wasn't really any other reason than that Mm-hmm. and that's that's great i mean again and you're slowly finding more and more success which is great to see and uh, i do want to ask like i mean for anyone who doesn't or who hasn't seen your videos yet, of course, I recommend you to check out the videos uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen his videos. But, um, Nick, your your videos um, are kind of rooted in, you know, commentary about Leafs games. After pretty much every Leafs game, uh, your thoughts and your reactions to the game and, and also news surrounding the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but you've also, your videos have also... Uh, expanded to include you know skits and and just commentary over hockey news in general and uh i guess can you tell me about that progression and when and why you decided to include these new kind of this new kind of content in it and have you always had an interest in doing like skits and things like that in your videos i think that i have to obviously keep the channel going throughout the summer when there's no hockey content on so I try to do it in as entertaining of a way as possible. <laughs> That's what I, I, I like. I, I've always liked making people laugh and seeing people smile. 
and that's part of the why, reason why I did the skits because they're just I just found them funny and they were just out of the ordinary like I I don't really see people doing skits for hockey and I know it might be a little along like the line of maybe I shouldn't do it if I do want a career in like hockey so I kind of stayed away from it for a little bit because I don't know how to make it like safe and at the same time funny but I don't know I just want to be entertaining and I want to be able to branch off and do other things that I'm not really comfortable with instead of just doing reaction videos and stuff like that and I I, want to be able to yeah branch off and at the end of the day make people laugh that's that's all I want to do it's fun to see that like people enjoy the videos i've had even people tell me that like it's helped them i don't know how my videos have helped because i'm just yelling at my camera but hearing that stuff too is nice but at the end of the day it's just me wanting to be entertaining i'll find any way to do it that's great to hear man that's that's amazing yeah it's always fun to uh, see uh, people's mindsets for videos and especially on youtube like we're, we're very blessed to be living in a time where a platform like this someone can start uh making videos of it and eventually make a living out of it it's it's really cool to see because i think youtube is becoming super important to uh stand out amongst uh other reporters in the industry and i know that there's obviously that challenge of trying to be entertaining and trying to be funny while also being professional and I think it's definitely uh, a big thing that uh, someone like yourself has to go through on, on a daily basis. Yeah, and it's like when I when I do them, like I don't, I as much as like I can be biased, I sometimes try not to be because that's what reporters are. They're unbiased and they do the story and that's it. And that's like one of the, probably difficult things that i'll find when i if i do make it into the industry is like i'm not going to be a reporter if i'm biased towards the toronto maple leafs nobody's going to want to see that leaf fans might but i don't know if other people will so that's why when i like when i think about me wanting to be a reporter that's not set in stone of what i want to do because i have no idea if this YouTube channel would ever bring me anywhere, I don't know where I'd want it to go, but I've sort of tried to maybe sometimes keep it unbiased. And then usually when my YouTube videos are like the reaction ones, I go all unbiased. I mean, I know I go all biased. I go all out, but yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's awesome to hear. Um, I do want to, I want to ask you about, uh, TikTok and how you've been using that kind of as an extension of uh, of your YouTube videos even or just uh, your entertainment in general but uh, there was a point during quarantine where you've been trying to do a, a TikTok a day and just t- tell me about your ideas with TikTok and how that came to oh be my. <laughs> I don't I when, when did TikTok even come out when did that after it's been honestly I think it's been a few years like I remember couple years or last year just watching like the weird those ones where like people like do like duos but it's it's definitely peaked in popularity i think now 
Yeah, they have. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I, I heard of it before because it's like another Vine, but it's, I, I'd say it's better than Vine, but to me, I never really wanted to even download it. Everyone was like, oh, get TikTok just to watch videos because they're funny. And I was like, no, that's, it's a weird app. And then one day I got it and I was like, oh no, this was a bad choice because there's so many funny things on here. I'm going to be up and you, you literally, if you stay up and start watching stuff at 11 o'clock at night, I'll guarantee you'd be up to like 1230, one o'clock, like spending two hours on that app. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know with, with TikTok. I don't know. It was, it was f- funny. I knew that I could do other things and it wasn't as much production as the YouTube video. Like I could just see a trend on TikTok and make a TikTok about it. It was just another thing to try and get my mind off being home all the time. Mm -hmm. And with there not being a lot of leaf stuff, I just decided to do that. And it it was fun too. What was, what was your favorite TikTok that you, uh, that you filmed if you could pick one. Oh. That is a good question. I don't I don't even know cuz I saw um, a lot of cool ones you made uh I remember there was that period where trick shots were a thing like with the ping pong balls and things like that. No. I think you you did oh. one of those uh that was, there's, yeah. that was that was as much as I like doing those. No. No. They're way too hard. <laughs> and it's oh, I've I did I think I did three. I was supposed to do four. And one night I started at like nine o'clock and I was up to like three o'clock in the morning trying to do this stupid trick shot and it never worked. So I was like, screw it. I can't, I can't do that anymore. Like half the time you bounce the ball off everything and it just misses. And then you can't get that ball to do that same thing over and over again for like 10 minutes. So it, I I stopped doing those because they were way too frustrating. And plus, my girlfriend was sick and tired and seeing <laughs> pots and pans everywhere. But yeah, that they were fun. I like doing those, but it was just too much at the end. Do you have a favorite in mind, or at least one? Let me. A couple? Let me. We can come back to that question if you want. Um, I mean, yeah, sure. All right, while you're up freaking figuring out uh, which video you say was your favorite, we want to talk a little bit about uh, you getting recently picked up by the Leafs Nation. Uh, that was, uh, how many days ago was it? Like, like last week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, about a week, I'd say. Still, We're still really happy for you, man. We want to congratulate you mm-hmm. on uh, getting picked up by that site. It's, it's really great for you. And uh, we wanted to ask uh, how that came about. I for editor and leaf like it was it was great i've been there i think it's been a year and a half a year and i joined in february i mean january so it was a year and about yeah a year and a half mm-hmm. but i don't know like i eventually it was just about me wanting something different it's always nice to have a change sometimes and be able to do other things because i wanted i wanted to do other things i wanted to like be able to make maybe video content and stuff or be like have a podcast that's maybe just 
I don't know what the word is, but powered by like them or just something to have and something different to do other than just write and kind of showcase my skills. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't have much wiggle room to do that in editor and leaf. So that's why I left. But at the end of the day, it was great learning experience. Everyone was great. I didn't really have any problems, but it was just just a move to sort of showcase my skills more and branch out and have just different opportunity. I can totally resonate with that. And I feel like when there's just certain points in uh, anyone's career or, or anyone's uh, drive to try and uh, get further into their field of choice, that, uh, yeah, you, you are appreciative of uh, where you start. And when you spend some time there, you always enjoy it. But there comes a point where uh, you're ready to move on and explore other things. So I commend you for uh, following that uh, passion and uh, sticking true to what you want to do. And I think it's a it's a very important skill to, to never settle for where you're at and always strive for uh, different opportunities. Yeah, for sure. It's not... To me, I always... I like change. Actually, I don't like change. That that was a lie. But um, I don't. It was just. It was a thing that I just need to do, and I didn't. I didn't hesitate from it. It wasn't really something that it's because to me it was only just moving from one place to another. Like it wasn't really like it's not like changing a job where you'll have to go somewhere else meet new people. Like, because I already knew a lot of the people in Leafs Nation anyways, and I already interacted with a lot of them. So it was kind of easier, and that's kind of why it made the transition better. But, yeah, just branching out and just being able to do new things, it it feels a lot nicer. For sure. For sure. Um. And uh, I want to talk about uh, your photography as, as well. Uh, when does your passion for photography, um, where did that kind of start? That started actually with YouTube too. I When I did the FIFA videos, I got the camera that I'm using now. And it it's really good on taking pictures. So I was always... I was always fascinated with how like pictures turn out because they're so nice. And like I followed like a bunch of people who took like landscape photography and all that. So I always found that cool. I went to the UK I think a year after I graduated high school and I brought the camera there and I loved everything about it. I took pictures every day that I was there. It was fun. And then for sports, too, it was just another thing to do. And, like, if I'm sure you guys know of Keyshawn. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Our good, our good yeah. buddy, Keyshawn, yeah. Yeah, so he was another big reason. He's probably the reason that I was so into doing photography and why I probably brought, like, my camera to the Leafs outdoor practice. It was just just cool to see, like, how photos turn out. And it's just, I don't know, always nice to have pictures of the Leafs like to be able to go to a practice and take pictures is like it's you can only do it once a year and when you got to do it you got to go all out and do it 
So I don't know. I just it's another thing to do and it's fun. And just to get like players reactions and stuff is it's pretty cool, too. 100 percent. I mean, I uh, I also do uh, sports photography and it's it's honestly so much fun. Like it's just a, kind of an aspect of sports that nobody really thinks about. But I mean, for one, it's important. And, and two, like, yeah, it's just fun to actually do. Um, I, I was at the outdoor practice as well this year shooting it and um, shooting photos for it. And it was yeah, it was, it's just really fun. And uh, I seen your photos, and then actually, uh, yeah, your photos I, I believe are being used for uh, a couple of the players, uh, <laughs> Wikipedia pages. So uh, yeah, that's cool. One of the, that's one really of, cool. One of the girls in editor and leaf actually, the Wikipedia editor I forget her name, but she DM'd me one day and she's like, "Oh, do you want to put this on Wikipedia?" And I'm like, "Oh, sure." So yeah, now there's yeah. A few of them, and then I think Nick Nurse's picture on Wikipedia is mine too. Really, I have to I have to check that out too. But yeah, I mean your photos are great. I've seen them, of course. Uh, I've seen them on Twitter, um, and uh, yeah, great photos. And uh, um, do you plan on? I mean, obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic, so there's really not many opportunities to uh, shoot right now. But do you plan on doing more sports photography uh, or just photography in general in the future? Yeah, I was actually trying to, before this all happened, I was trying to get just something in hockey, like whether that be like the the Ontario Junior Hockey League or just somewhere down there or the OHL just mm-hmm. to be able to take pictures and just do that for a little bit. I was trying to do that. That really didn't work out a lot. So I don't know. I was... Hoping like if I didn't get a job somewhere, like I could incorporate that somehow and do photography that way. But other than that, it's usually just if I go somewhere nice, I'll bring my camera. If um, Leafs have an outdoor practice again, I'll go and bring my camera. But other than that, not really. I, I do want to do sports photography though, whether that mm-hmm. be in hockey or something else. For sure. Um, and then going back to your, uh, or going back to your podcast, I mean, I think that's kind of the new big project that you're uh, working on right now. Uh, how would you describe it to, yeah, to someone who's never heard of uh, you or your videos or things like that? How would you describe to them? And just do you want to sp- speak a bit about your uh, upcoming podcast? So what I'm going to try to do with the podcast is I'll interview a bunch of people in the sports community, a lot from Leafs Twitter, so that'll be fun. Um, You guys, I'll do. Um, But the main thing that I want to get out of it is learning about people, learning their stories, learning how they got involved in sports in general or sports just like sports media or sports twitter or how why why they chose to do this instead of something else learning about how they're brought up and how they got to this point and just having fun too and just doing what you guys do just having a nice chat and learning about them really Mm mm-hmm 
absolutely and we did listen to your podcast uh when you did an episode uh talking to our good friend omar tic-tac and omar yeah yes tic-tac omar Shout out tic-tac omar yeah. yeah and we i definitely enjoyed that and i really appreciate you did you had a discussion like that and i'm again looking forward to your podcast and and for all listeners at home uh if you're listening please do listen to his podcast when the first episode comes out i think it'll you'll be in for a treat and then stay for the second episode because it'll be mike and matt Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> awesome <laughs> there you go there's some uh breaking news on on our podcast about another podcast <laughs> there we go um but looking forward to that and uh definitely uh yeah check out his uh youtube and his new podcast and subscribe to both of those um but yeah we'll uh start uh asking the last few questions here but we do have we have some listener questions as well we'll get into soon uh but what what are some other projects that we can uh, look forward to oh that's a good question um i might be doing more tiktok stuff um in the future i don't know about that because i don't know i doubt it i've heard it's going to be banned in the u.s so it might be banned here too but i doubt that um other than that, I'm going to be writing that podcast. It's going to be busy August. And if the Leafs go farther, it's busy September. If the Leafs go farther than that, busy October. But um, other than that, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Podcasts, YouTube. If I get a job in the industry, that'll be different. It'll change a lot. But Maybe I'll be doing like some graphics and some social media stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel like I'm forgetting one thing. Oh no, I don't know. I'm not sure that I think that's it really. Well, for sure, we're very looking forward to whatever it is you have in store. And uh, for all of us here uh, that have been covering hockey and uh, just sports in general, this upcoming month or two is going to be very hectic for sure so yeah just uh, the calm before the storm is what we're going to be calling these next few weeks yep even (laughs) though it feels like there's still a mini storm going on right now oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) but it's going to be like a hurricane Mm -hmm. oh no don't 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 do this to me (laughs) don't bring bring up that that (laughs) what Uh, name david aries (laughs) All right, that's it. I'll see you guys later. Thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> my new co-host, my new co-host, Nick. <laughs> um, but uh, those are all the questions we have uh, for you so far. But uh, we have listener questions, which we'll go into. And I'll let uh, Michael, as soon as he's back, uh, <laughs> over that game. Uh, uh, you triggered his PTSD. But um, once... once uh, once he's back, we will, uh, I mean, you're here back already, but we'll, uh, ask those questions to you. We've, uh, okay. we've gotten quite a few, so. Yes, we do. Uh, let's first start off with, uh, a question from Juno at Juno, the Leaf shout to him. He asked, what is your favorite Henny moment? And that is of course referring to Paul Hendricks, who just announced today that he's leaving, uh, MLSE. You know what? I've. There was, I seen on Twitter today, there was that moment with Travis Dermott. Did you guys see that? Yeah, I saw that. That was a great moment. 
Yeah, there was that one. And then when I was at the first Leafs outdoor practice, I was in school. I was able to get a media pass. So I got to go in the scrum. And he was there. And I was... There was so many people. I've never... Like, I didn't expect it to be that I, that bad. I don't know. I'm sure you guys have seen scrums and been in them. Yeah, because you're yeah, yeah. Journalism. Mm-hmm. But... I like I saw them, but when I was there in person and I saw that many people and how much was going on, it was a bit overwhelming because you're just I was just a student and there was TS Mark Masters was there, Chris Johnson was there, Paul Hendrick was there, everyone was there and I was like, Whoa, like am I like is this real? And then you got the T V cameras and people trying to maneuver and go through and I I looked over and I was like like I told Paul Hendrick I'm like I'm I'm just in school like how the heck do you do this every day and he's like yeah just it's just everyone knows each other so it's just about being respectful respecting people's boundaries knowing when it's good to move out of the way for somebody and just being polite and we I don't remember how we got into the discussion but I told him I'd steal his job. <laughs> and and he was like, Well, you're just gonna have to work harder than me then. So that was that was that was funny. It was nice like a little banter back and forth. And I know right now that D Emmanuel, I think I think she's going to take over because she was kind of doing it to begin with. They were kind of sharing half and half the role. And she was also in the dressing room a lot more, I saw. But that would be my favorite moment. He's such a nice person. I He wasn't even rude. He just accepted me as like one of the other people there. And I was just like another media member for the day. And he was just so nice, so professional. And I'd say that's probably the best moment. That's an awesome moment, man. Yeah, oh, for sure. Hockey's got the least reporting is uh, Miss is going to be losing a great one today. So I, I think we've mm-hmm. been, has been spoiled run that he's been uh, covering least for as long as he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you guys? What's your favorite moments? I would probably say the Travis Dermott moment as well. Uh, just seeing that was, I mean, uh, again, like I think with all his reports, it's just, he's just been so professional about it. And it's nice to see, you know, the behind the scenes type of thing that he, kind of it was nice to see that he kind of, he's around these players all the time and he still kind of gets excited about those small interactions and and it's nice to see those types of things you know he's just so professional about his work but inside you could see that you know he still loves the game he still loves uh, the Leafs as well I'm going to mention uh the clip that I shared like retweeted this morning of uh him doing an interview with Luke Shen back in 2009 and Luke Shen actually hit Hendricks a bunch of times, and even though Hendricks was much older, like he still took it like a champ. <laughs> Had oh, him. is that when he? Is that when he went on the ice? Yeah, he was on the ice <laughs> for that one. Oh yeah, I rem- that was funny. Yeah, like I appreciate guys like that that uh, go above and beyond uh, just doing report like interviews with players. Like they try to understand what they do and just have fun with it. I think there's not many reporters that do that kind of stuff all the time. So I'm glad we were like i said spoiled rotten that hendrix was part of the leafs lore for so long yeah it's always it's always nice to see 
reporters try and get players out of their like kind of like personal bubble and get them to show their true self and that that's it's awesome that he was able to do that because not a lot of reporters can for well, sure yep mm-hmm. so our next question comes from you guessed it at tic tac omar shout out to him again <laughs> he asked, if robertson makes it into the lineup then who is out that's a good question and i have no clue um Omar, why do you have to ask tough questions? Tough questions. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's like, I think the fourth line is set. I think it's just going to be Spezza, Clifford, Goat. Second line is going to be Mikheyev, Tavares, either Marner or Nylander, and then either Marner or Nylander is going to be on the first line with Matthews and Hyman. So it's really between... Him and Engvall, I'd say. Because mm-hmm. it's going to be Kerfoot. And I think Kapanen's a lock. He obviously should be. And with Engvall's last bit of last season, or not even last season, sorry, before everything was cancelled, it wasn't that strong. So I think that he would probably be the one battling with Engvall, but then again, Engvall is still good too, and he, he still provides a lot. He's a big guy, very good skater, and he knows when to turn it on and when to turn it off and catch players when they don't know about his speed. So if it is Nick Robertson who's going to go in, it's going to be, I think, Engvall out. Yeah. When I think I, about the, yeah, when I think about the, the lineup right now, uh, I think Engvall would be the odd man now. Um, but I think it's a good problem that the Leafs have, if anything, this lineup logjam, because it just makes the the core, like the core lineup a, a little more deeper, especially for a playoff run that's kind of um, going to be... It's going to be very hard, this uh, upcoming playoff. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be weird. I know people were like saying... Like, the lines are going to be changed and all that. And I'm thinking, it's not like a real training camp. It's like they're just returning to play. It's going to be all... Like, they didn't... They don't have, like, all their prospects there and everything. So there's not really much they can change unless they want to tear down the lineup and redo it. So I I don't know. Yeah, I think this makes for a very interesting offseason because... If they're gonna want to give Nick Robertson a full time uh, role next season, then somebody has to go. They can't just stick with the lines that they currently have, uh, especially if their intention is to sign Kyle Clifford, which I think a lot of Fee fans would would love to keep uh, on the team, even if his uh, role is not to put the puck in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very interesting uh, scenario the Leafs are going to be facing this uh, shortened off season, but. I think uh, Nick Robertson is going to make things very interesting for the lease management. For sure. Um, would you guys want... Sorry, oh, I was no, going to go say, ahead. would you guys want Clifford to stay? I actually would, because I do think that... Uh, I mean, we've it's kind of been the story of the lease for the last how long, but, uh, you know, the lease lack toughness and grit, things like that. But 
I mean, I won't I won't sit here and say that um, the addition of even a little bit of grit there uh, isn't helpful. I think I think it is still important to have uh, at least uh, with uh, Clifford. Um, but we'll see what what direction the Leafs decide to take it in. Yeah, I agree. I I, I think it'd be uh, good to have him uh, in the team, and I think having a veteran presence like him, especially a guy that's been to the Cup Finals twice. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, has uh, two Stanley Cups to his name. Maybe I'm uh, remembering it wrong, but this is a guy that uh, knows what it takes to win. And I think uh, it's important to have uh, players like that in your locker room. And a guy that uh, is from the area and is very proud to be on the team. So you guys would be okay with giving up a second round pick? If it means a Stanley Cup championship, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> that's that. That's true. Okay, so we have one more. It's a bunch of questions from Mark at It's Luxty, uh, one of our colleagues from uh, Edwin Leaf and one of your former colleagues from Edwin Leaf. We're going to do this uh, rapid fire style. Rapid fire. <laughs> rapid fire. Yeah, we're going to yeah. do this really fast. <laughs> There's a bunch here. All right, first off, does Korshkov make the team? Yes or no. no? Oh, wait, wait, wait. So does that mean like the team or the 31 man roster? Uh, I think he's referring to the uh, playoff team when the season, if the playoffs resume, or so even, in the, even in, the, in the future, maybe I don't know if he's referring to. Even I think in the he. I'm doing like before. I was waiting for you guys to come on and message me. I had a video, and I was thinking like he's he's going to make that 31 man roster. I think because mm-hmm. there's, I think there's. 34 players there right now and they have to remove three so i was just talking about like that there's there's three players who have a chance there's two players who likely will not make it in i think kivahome and hollowell Mm -hmm. so there's that one spot and when they did the scrimmage today they had robertson on that team anderson and you can obviously tell that he's getting a chance. He's not getting put on with Matthews and all of them. Sheldon Keith wants to see how he's going to do all by himself. But then there was also Korshkov there. And he's getting that same opportunity, I think. And then Tyler Gaudet was there too. And then all the other Marlies and guys who sat in the press box that you'd think are a lock, but maybe not were with Matthews. So I think those three that were on team Anderson have one of those three is going to get cut. I think. And it's whoever doesn't play the best, but I do think that Korshkov, I think Korshkov will make it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Next one. Uh, this is again, since you're mentioning Robertson, this is perfect because Mark also asked how big of an impact will Robertson make? And I think let's just assume, uh, in the 2020 playoffs. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I seen him play once live and he was really good. And I know his size and all that is kind of a concern to some people, but again, like I think he, I don't remember. I saw a tweet today saying how much he was listed out of weight. Did you guys see? Uh, 
don't no, know I didn't I've... happen to see that. I think I don't know if it was one sixty five. I I have no idea, but I think it was that. And I know people have that concern, but like Mitch Marner is the not that size, but he's he was that same player who people were like, oh, he might not be good enough to play with the big boys. And out of any of the stuff that I've seen from Robertson in the past three days, I think he's ready. I don't know how much of an impact he'll have. I think he might need time to like settle down and kind of find his role. But I also said in my video today, I'd, I'd be fine with him challenging Matthews for goals. But I don't know. He, he, it seems like he gives players a good run for their money already. And yesterday he was shooting on Anderson and he beat Anderson clean twice. And they were good shots. So I don't know. I think he'll do good. I don't know how big of an impact he will be. But that's just, we're going to have to wait and find out, really. I think he's definitely playing. Like, he wants that playoff spot badly. And I think that if he's going to do that, when he makes the lineup, he's going to play like he wants to keep it. So if that if the, if he does make the lineup, it's going to be by sheer determination and hard work. And if, yeah. if that's what we see in the lineup, that's going to be great to see. Yeah, because he is he's a very hard worker from what I've read and heard. Sounds like another uh, former leaf that uh, didn't work out, but uh, I'm not going to jinx it. I'm going to call him the honey badger. <laughs> All right. Uh... <laughs> uh, let's do up. one more. Okay, let's do a couple more. Next one. Will we get rusty October Freddy in the playoffs, or is he going to be okay? Um, If it gets to October, no. He will be fine. He will get them the Stanley Cup if they get there. All right. That's a good take. How <laughs> much of a threat does Columbus pose to the Leafs? None. There we go. <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> um, no, they I don't they don't have a lot of firepower, so I'm not worried about that. I'm I'm worried about how the Leafs will come out of the gate. Cause if they if they don't come out as hard as Columbus does, then they're going to have a tough time. But then again, Columbus also, they don't have the same team as they did when they swept Tampa, but it's it's still possible that they could just come out like they did and annihilate the Leafs. So I don't know, it's going to it's a good matchup and unless Elvis plays like god, then I think the Leafs get through. Since you're mentioning Columbus is going to pose a threat to the Leafs, uh, one of the strategies they're mentioning uh, is implementing a power kill. Um, I'm not sure if you saw that tweet. John Tortorella was explaining it, or, or Cam Askin was explaining it, but they're going to try and make life difficult for the Leafs uh, when, they're on, when they're on the power play. So what are your thoughts on their planned power kill? They're going to make... Uh, I don't know. They're, I don't know how... If the Leafs get two lines rolling, like if they have their first power play unit, which was, I think, when from when Sheldon Keefe came in to the end of this season when they canceled it, they were second on the power play in the league. Mm-hmm. And then Columbus, I think their penalty kill was like 
14th, 15th or 16th in the league or maybe 18th. So I don't I don't I don't know if that could be all talk and they could be like, "Oh yeah, we're going to destroy them." But if the Leafs come out with Tavares, Marner, Nylander, Barry Matthews and then that second unit with Spezza on one side, Riley there as well, Nick Robertson too. I I don't think Columbus has a chance. I agree. I think uh, if as as long as you can keep the puck away from the Blue Jacks, they can never really implement their strategy. Mm -hmm. But never take them lightly, that's for sure. Finally, who will be the the under-the-radar hero for the Leafs? Um, Martin Marinson. There we go. Did we expect a different answer? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, (laughs) No. Under the radar, I don't know. Nick Robertson, he's not really under the radar though, because people expect him to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, Kapanen, maybe. Yeah, that's good. He's he's always played great in the playoffs against Boston, and he played great when he faced Washington too. And he did have that tear at the end of the season before it was canceled, where he was fighting people, scoring. And doing all of it, so he could be one. I'm thinking maybe, uh, maybe we get to see some of the experience shine from Spezza. Ooh, ooh, that'd be very nice. That would be. Or maybe. Uh, Sorry, you go ahead. No, it's just I was just talking out, thinking out loud. But you go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. Um, maybe we get like. A good Tyson Berry. That, well, he played good for most of the season after Sheldon Keith came in, but maybe he takes it up to another level. Maybe Morgan Riley takes it up to another level. Maybe even Cody Cece. But who knows about that? Mm-hmm. We'll I think see. if there's anything this playoff is going to prove is that if if they want if a player wants to turn around their season fortunes, this is now the time to do it. Mm-hmm. And I hope that uh, Tyson. I, I agree with you. If Tyson Berry would be my pick, just because he's had such a rocky season and nearly being traded multiple times, and how nice would it be for him to uh, put it all together and uh, make it all worth it? Win the con Smythe. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. That, there, would, be but... <laughs> that would be something. Uh, but I mean, yeah, those are all the questions, and. Uh... I think we'll wrap up here, but we just want to say thank you for coming on, uh, Nick. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, I think we've had an amazingly fun discussion here today. Thank you for having me. It's It's been a nice talk about Leafs that we haven't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's finally nice to be in the thick of it again. Oh, for sure. Just oh, yeah. a couple more weeks till uh, we're right we're right back at it. Couple a couple more weeks until we see our dreams come true, our life tear us down. <laughs> That's true. Uh, before we let you go, Nick, uh, why don't you uh, plug your uh, social media? So, how can where can people find you? Uh, at Twitter, at Nick Barden, at Instagram, at Nick Barden, at TikTok, at Nick Bardown. Did I say YouTube? YouTube, <laughs> Nick Barden, all Nick Barden, and then. DM me if you need a Martin Marinson jersey because I'll sell. No, I won't sell it to you. No, I'll... you can't sell that. You can't sell that. I, I like... meant, I meant, go tell you where to buy it. 
Oh, even okay. though you can even though you can buy it anywhere. Of course, I, don't, I think that'll be a like a keepsake forever. No, yeah, one one day I'm gonna have to get him to sign it. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we'll uh, conclude the podcast episode with that, and uh, thank you for listening. Uh, again, you can you can catch uh or you could catch me on Twitter or message me or anything you want uh. Um, at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. Make sure to send us questions. And Michael, mine is at the Leafs IMO. That has not changed as of yet. Mm-hmm. As of yet, <laughs> possible rebranding <laughs> I, in the future. I don't plan on changing it just yet, but there. maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, and again, news. uh, you can make sure to uh, make sure to check out Nick's uh socials and his YouTube channel and his uh his upcoming podcast uh. I'm sure you'll uh, Nick. You'll tweet it out once you're, uh, once it's out. So make sure to follow him and, and keep up to date. But uh, again, thank you so much, Nick, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's it's been fun. And thank you everyone for listening. Mm-hmm. We'll catch you guys uh, next week.